Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. 
you give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. The Lord is my best friend. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Doug, and I just want to welcome you today to Victory Christian Fellowship. This is a place where we can inherit God's promises and experience their benefits. How many are ready to inherit today and to experience today? Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. We're so grateful and thankful that you are a good God. You are a loving Father. And Lord, we thank you that you have saved us, you have healed us, and you, you have lifted us up, Lord. And we bless you this morning. We just welcome your presence here and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that as your word goes forth, you will confirm your word with signs following it. We just acknowledge you in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together.
Shut the mouth. 
this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. His word is believable. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place. We worship you in this place, Lord. There is no other name that we believe more than the name of Jesus. There is no higher name than the name of Jesus. Always speak the name of Jesus into this atmosphere. We speak the name of Jesus out of our mouth. We speak the name of Jesus as a victory. Hallelujah. We worship you in this place, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy. And I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Thank you. 
in the name of Jesus. Fire of God. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. You're so good. You're our faithful friend. You're with us till the end. Your word is trustworthy, for it will not bend. It will hold you up. It'll shelter you in the storm. For the word of God gives you life, and by it, you were born. Father, we thank you that you're here in our midst. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. Oh, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world, and I have enabled you to overcome the world too. Hallelujah. See, I have good cheer. Let's give God a good cheer. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to celebrate communion today. Because next Sunday is Mother's Day. And we like to celebrate it on the second Sunday, but we always, there's room for flexibility. Amen. So if you have your elements, just go ahead and uh, get them ready. Sometimes they test your faith. But our faith overcomes. Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, if you'd like to follow along. I'm going to read something from John chapter 6, starting with verse uh, 31. Jesus is talking about bread. And he said, our fathers did eat manna in the desert, as it is written... He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Notice, I want you to notice the bread came from heaven. Right? And uh, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Not only is this bread from heaven, but it's true bread. Alright? And the manna that they ate in the wilderness was representative of, of what God was going to do for us. Alright? How many know that you can live by Jesus? Amen. Amen. He said, For the bread of God is He, which comes down from heaven and gives life unto the world. So this bread is from heaven, this bread is true, and this bread is a person, 
and this bread gives life. How many's ever had a loaf of life bread? Not light bread, but life bread. And he said, they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. You know, it's just like the, the water that Jesus talked about from the well, the living water. The woman said, well, give me some of this water. How many know when, when you get this kind of bread, it sparks a desire in your heart? But then he said, but I said unto, uh, or th- he said, I am the bread of life. The bread of what? Bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. And he that believes on me shall never thirst. Hallelujah. But I said unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Aren't you glad that when you come to Jesus, he's not going to cast you out? For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the Father's will, which he has sent me, that all of which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him. How many of you got to see him and believe? May have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And I want to go to a story in the book of Acts where Paul was in the most troubling moment of his life, but God rescued him. Amen? Why? Because God's a rescuer. And if you go to Acts 27, verse 33, we're going to read through verse 38. Paul was on a ship, and the ship was going to Rome. And when they started to sail, everything was good. Everything looked good. But Paul said, you know, Paul was saying at the beginning, you probably shouldn't take this journey. But the weather said differently. And the captain of the ship said, we're going to go. And guess what? Along the way, they ran into the worst storm ever. Right? This is where two storms met together. And uh, they experienced uh, darkness for days. And we're going to pick up the story here in the middle. And verse 33, while they waited for the day to dawn, Paul encouraged them all and told them to have some food, saying, this is the 14th day you have uh, that you have constantly been on watch, going without food, having eaten nothing. Everybody say 14 days. Okay. So I urge you to eat some food, for this is for your survival. For not a hair from your head of any of you will perish. Say, none will perish. See, God sent an angel to Paul to tell him the word of God. All right, now notice what happens. Having said this, he took bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. And he broke it and began to eat. This is not just a normal meal that Paul is having. He is breaking bread, 
having communion. I mean, why would you, if you haven't eaten for 14 days, why would you take the time to do all this? Right? But Paul knew what he was doing. Because Paul had a revelation of what communion was. Verse 36. Then all of them were encouraged. And their spirits improved. Say they improved. And they also ate some food. All told, there were 276 of us aboard the ship. After they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing uh, the wheat from Egypt overboard into the sea. So God saved 276 people in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a bad situation. And one of the reasons was Paul had communion. This is the meal that heals. That we're about to partake of this morning. This is a meal. It's, it's more than a meal, obviously. But it represents what Jesus Christ has done. It gives us a picture. And it gives us the opportunity to partake of what Jesus has done. And just like Paul, they, they were encouraged. Life came to them. And after they had communion, they ate a meal. They ate food. But they did communion first. Amen? All right, you have your elements ready. We're going to partake, partake of this together in the name of Jesus. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it, giving thanks and praise. And he broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. Let us eat. Let's eat of the body. Hallelujah. And when he had taken the cup, he had given thanks. He gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood for the new covenant, which is being poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us drink. And Father, we thank you for the life, for the true bread from heaven. We thank you that we can partake of Jesus and Lord, you bring life and health and strength to us, Lord. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Someone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we are glad that you're here this morning. And if you're watching us, we're glad that you're watching us as well. Hallelujah. Well, one of the things that we like to do here at VCF is we like to speak the word. Amen. Amen. I think everybody has a copy of the confession. Yeah. So you can read along with us today. All right. Let's make our confession together. Hallelujah. Our, our victory comes, comes through faith in God and obedience to his word. The Lord does marvelous things for us. And, and by his right hand and holy arm, we, we gain the victory. The Lord makes us victorious wherever we go. Our victory comes to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are thankful to Him. We overcome our accuser, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and we do not fear death. Because I am born of God, I overcome the world. 
My victory over the world is my faith in Jesus as the Son of God. As an overcomer, I partake of eternal life, and I am rescued from hell. As an overcomer, I partake of God's heavenly bread, and I have power over the nations. As an overcomer, I'm clothed in pure white, and my name is written in the book of life. All of these things, we are more than victorious through him who loves us. We are persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising Word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's Word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing, and experiencing their, benefits. their benefits. Amen. Amen. I have something I would like us to do. If you look at the confession, it says, uh, might be a third or fourth line paragraph in, as an overcomer, I partake of God's heavenly bread and I have power over the nations. Yes. I think we should exercise that today. Yes. North Korea has really been on my heart lately. I, I, we cannot live on this earth and have a country of people who, they're the most oppressed people on the earth. They actually think this is the year 104 because that's how long they think that humanity has been in existence as long as the leader's family line has been. So they don't know it's 2021. They think it's 104. They have no access to outside of the country. And anyone that visits is visiting under much duress and much monitoring. This is, we are humans. We're not robots and, you know, people to be enslaved. And that they're all slaves. They're all under the power of Satan, who has a leader in place that's controlling it. So I believe that, and we just took communion. I believe we can believe God that we have power over the nations. And this particular nation, I would like us to pray into it. That the gospel will break out. And the power of the Holy Ghost (coughs) will fall upon the land. Like the glory that covers the earth. This is what we need to pray. I'm not praying for for the leader to give up and all that. This is beyond that. We need the glory of God to invade the whole country. We need people to start getting salvation. Salvation needs to come to them. And then we need them to start speaking in tongues, operating in signs and wonders. If Peter, if the apostle, people walked out of prison in the Bible. They literally walked right out of prison. This is a whole country that's a prison. And the people need to be free and delivered. Amen? Amen. So, Father, today...
in the name of Jesus, we agree that we have power over the nations by the name of Jesus. And we send your word to North Korea right now, Father. We send your word of healing, deliverance, and freedom. Holy Spirit, we ask you to invade Invade the country. Invade the environment. Hover over the atmosphere. Holy Spirit, we ask you to show yourself strong to the people of North Korea. Right now, Father, we speak to any believer that is in North Korea to wake up and be empowered with the power of the Holy Ghost. To be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. To rise up and move in miracles, signs, and wonders. Father, we speak that they will be evangelists roaming the country, bringing salvation. Let there be open baptisms. Father, we ask for your angelic hosts to descend all over the nation with visible signs of protection over the people. We push back darkness and we speak light into the atmosphere right now. In the name of Jesus, we do not accept what the enemy is doing to the people of North Korea. We stop him. We stop that stronghold. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that you will get the glory out of this. The world will see the glory of God in North Korea. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. And before I dismiss the kids this morning, I just want to share something with you about the uprights. Who are the uprights? They are the ones who love the Lord. Amen? And in Psalm 37, starting with verse 16, Psalm 37, verse 16 Better is the little of the righteous who seek the will of God than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds and sustains the righteous. Say, the Lord upholds and sustains me. The Lord knows the days of the blameless. And their inheritance will continue forever. Say, my inheritance continues forever. Now notice this. This is from the Amplified. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil. And in the days of famine, they will have plenty and be satisfied. Say, I'm not ashamed. I have plenty. And I'm satisfied. But then it says, 20, the wicked will perish and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures and like the fat of the lambs that is consumed in smoke. They will vanish like smoke. They will vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, 
But the righteous is gracious and kind and gives. Say, I'm gracious, I'm kind, and I give. Hallelujah. And then it says, for those blessed by God will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. Say, I inherit the land. I just say that to say that you are upright. You've been made upright by the blood of Jesus and faith in him. Amen. And uh, of course, as in your giving today, you can give any time during the service. And you can, uh, if you're watching online, you can go to our website and do it that way. It's important for you to, giving is your lifeline to God. Amen. And it's not based on feeling, but it's based on faith and our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you for every giver and gift, Lord. I call them blessed by you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, we got some awesome kids' life. Kids, we want you to go to your class. Have a blessed time. Have fun. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for the word this morning? Did you know that we have the power of God on our side? And uh, every tool that has ever been designed has been designed for a purpose. Right? I mean... We have tools that make us beautiful or handsome, right? We have tools to fix things, tools to cook things. We have tools to even open up cans. Amen? There's a tool for everything. There's a tool for hygiene. There's a tool for repair. And... um, You know, you could use a tool from natural strength and it'll get the job done. Or you can use a tool that's designed to have some power to it. I have with me here a power tool. And this is a drill. And the drill, you know, if it doesn't have any power... It doesn't work. Now, I I could drill something with my hand, but it would be a lot quicker. It would be a lot more effective, right, with a power tool. Well, this morning, I want you to think of your faith as a power tool. Say, my faith is a power tool. It makes things effective. It releases power, and it gets the job done. I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Got some residue of the power tool on me. We're going to see what we need to plug our faith into this morning to release the power that's in the faith. Amen? So our faith is like a power cord. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. 
you're going to get a faith boost today. Why do we need to look at the subject of faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And with faith, we can receive anything that God gives us. Right? Faith is a key element in exchanging our desires for heaven's goods. So, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. How many fighters are here today? What kind of fight does faith fight? A good fight. What's a good fight? It's one you win, right? But notice, it, then he tells us how to fight this fight. Number one, lay hold on eternal life. If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you've got to lay hold on to something. You might say you've got to plug into something. You might say that you've got to connect to something. Okay? You've got to connect to eternal life. Where does eternal life come from? It comes from God, right? Eternal life is a gift. So we have to look to the giver who gives the gift, right? So eternal life comes from God. So we have to lay hold on to God. If you want to fight the fight of faith, you've got to lay hold on to God. God has to be the object of your faith. He has to be the sum total of your After all, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, isn't he? Then it says, whereunto you are called. It's not an option. You're called to do this. Then it says, number two, and profess a good profession before many witnesses. So you've got to use your words. In order to fight the good fight of faith, there's two things that you need to do. You need to lay hold on your eternal life and you need to profess what kind of profession? A good profession, right? Everybody say good. Faith does not work in an atmosphere of negativity as far as negative words are concerned. I mean, it can work where people are negative as long as the one operating in faith is speaking against the negativity, speaking positive, right? We know that from Joshua and Caleb. They were two of twelve spies who went out and spied the land, right? They spoke what God said. But the ten spoke what they saw, what they felt. And the ten contradicted God. And the, ten, the, the report of the ten infected the multitude, right? And even the Bible calls those words, what kind of words were spoken in Numbers 14? They weren't good words, were they? They were evil words. Okay, so this word lay hold. It's uh, it means to take hold of, to seize, to aggressively take. It means to lay hold of something, showing a personal initiative or focused resolve. How many focused people do we have here today? I resolved long ago to get a hold of Jesus. Why? Because he got a hold of my heart, and I'm getting, I'm getting a hold of him. Amen? 
And I determined long ago that I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to talk about Jesus. Amen. Why? I laid hold of him. I seized him. Glory to God. So we got to get a hold of some things today. Amen. I want you to go to the book of the Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Oh, we got some good faith food this morning. And we're going to look at some people who did just this thing. They laid, held, they laid hold to eternal life and they professed a good confession. I ever say two things that I need to do for my faith to work. I got to lay hold on eternal life and I got to speak good words. Amen. That's your power cord. That's where you're going to plug into. Okay. We're actually going to, the, the word is our power source, right? You know, you got to plug into an active power source. You, you can't plug into something that the fuse went out, right? Or the circuit popped. Because even though it's wired for power, if the circuit popped, it doesn't have any power no matter how many times you plug into it. You got to plug into an active power source. What's our active power source? It is the Word of God. Did you know the Bible says the Word of God is active? It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The Word is near you. Is the Word far from you? No, you have access to it. Everybody has access to the power source. And you can plug into the power source anytime that you need to do a job. Right? Guess what? You don't have to recharge it. It comes fully charged for eternity. Hallelujah. It doesn't diminish in power. If you leave the Bible sitting around, it still has the power, and the power is available anytime you plug into it. The Word is... Near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is, what kind of word is it? The word of faith. Which we preach. Are you hearing the word of faith this morning? What happens when you're hearing the word of faith? Faith is coming to your heart, isn't it? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Okay? Verse 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth, those are speaking words, the Lord Jesus, oh my goodness, who is the Lord Jesus? He is the Son of God. He is the Word of God. He is the Word made flesh. Amen? He's the power source. Did you know that you have solar power from the sun, the S-O-N? Hallelujah. And shall believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So you've got to say something about Jesus, about who he is, and you've got to say something about what he did. All right? You've got to say, you've got to say and believe 
some, you, you've got to know some things about Jesus in order for faith to work. Amen? Because he is the Lord Jesus. And then verse 10, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you're laying hold on eternal life, and you're laying hold on Jesus. You're plugging into the power source. These are the two ways that you do this. Amen? <coughs> Hallelujah. So then he goes on and says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who will this work for? Anybody who calls. If, you, if you're not calling, it's not going to work. You've got to be a caller. Right? And believe me, God's got the best caller ID. He knows it. When, when you call, He knows. Right? He can recognize your voice out of seven billion people. He knows exactly who's calling when they call. Okay, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, verse 12 says there's no difference between the Jew or the Greek. You could be Jewish, you could be Greek, you could be Polish. You could be Guyanese. You could be Italian. You could be uh, German. It doesn't matter. It works. Alright? Verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You can't believe in nothing. You've got to believe in something. Faith is not in nothing. I'm just putting my faith in the air. You can't have faith in the air. Faith has got to have something to hold on to, something that's solid, something that's firm, something that doesn't change. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Guess what? If you haven't heard, you don't have faith. Because faith comes by hearing. Amen? You can't believe in something that you don't know anything about. You have got to have information. It could be the name of Jesus. That could be the only information you need. And how shall they hear without a preacher? God has chosen the method of preaching and teaching the word to communicate faith to people. Jesus went about and did three things. He went and taught, he went and preached, and he went and healed. Why do you think teaching and preaching come before healing? So people could receive faith and be healed. Amen? Everywhere Jesus went, he taught, he preached, and he healed. Jesus had a beach ministry. Jesus was cool. I mean, he did things along the beach a lot of times. Right? Where, I mean, he used boats as pulpits. Jesus actually sat down and preached. Amen? He was ahead of his time. Of course, he is eternal. All right? And how shall they preach except they be sent? You know, some preachers just went. They weren't sent. They just
just thought it was a good idea to serve God as a career, but they weren't called. I'm telling you, I was called. God brought me to Palmyra, Pennsylvania for such a time as this. And I'm glad to be here. Amen. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach good, the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Hallelujah. All right. So faith is doing something with the word in you. You know, the word of God needs to get in you. Where does it need to get into you? It needs to get in your heart. Do you realize sometimes we're eight inches away from a miracle? We have head knowledge of something, but we don't have it in our heart. You know, when the word is in your heart, it becomes alive to you. How do you get it from your head to your heart? Through meditation. You've got to go over it and over it and over it. To meditate means to ponder, to, to mutter, to repeat over and over. Amen? There's a lot of times when I'm just reading the Bible and I read it out loud. Why? I'm hearing myself speak the word. Plus, it helps your focus. So faith in God is confessing with your mouth who he is. If you need healing, he's your healer. If you need salvation, he's your savior. If you need help, he's your helper. So on and so forth, right? Faith is... Confessing with your mouth who he is. Say, with my mouth. It's got to come out of your mouth. And faith is believing in your heart what he has done. Well, he saved you, hasn't he? He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. That's done. And with, that, with what he did on the cross and the empty grave, he accomplished everything right there. That is a sum total of what Jesus... Jesus doesn't have to come and do it again. He saved you on the cross. He healed you on the cross. He resurrected you on the cross. He provided for you on the cross. He helped you on the cross. He strengthened you on the cross. Amen? So faith is confessing with your mouth who He is and believing in your heart what He has, what he has done. Amen? All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This is just the foundation, by the way. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 13. We having, not going to get, we already have. The same spirit of faith. I'm going to say the same spirit of faith. That's the same spirit of faith that Jesus had. Think about that. The same spirit of faith. Having. We've got to realize we already have the same spirit of faith. I thought I'd just calmly teach this thing. 
We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, your faith has to be anchored into something. What was written where we can anchor our faith into? The Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing the Word. Faith doesn't come by hearing opinions. And everybody's got an opinion. Faith doesn't come from hearing a doctor. A doctor's giving you information based on what he knows or she knows, right? They examine you, and they have limited knowledge. I'm not against doctors. I don't oppose them. I love doctors. God, there is, Luke was a doctor. He wrote two books of the Bible. God loves doctors. Jesus is called the great physician. Amen? But he goes against everything the American Medical Association stands for. As far as methods. He gets good results, right? They agree with results, but not the methods. Amen? So, as it is written, I believed. And therefore, I have spoken. Faith is believing and speaking what was written. Not deviating from it. Not turning from it. We also believe and therefore speak. He's actually quoting Psalm 116, verse 10. That's what Paul is quoting right here. You have the same spirit of faith that Esther had when she stood before the king when she wasn't called. You have the same spirit of faith that Joseph had when he was in Egypt, prospering as a slave. You have the same spirit of faith that Daniel had when he could lay on a lion pillow all night long. Amen? You have the same spirit of faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had when they were thrown into the fire. I must say they were thrown in. Did you know that the great prophet Elijah... He suffered his greatest victory and his greatest defeat at the same time. He confronted the prophets of Baal. 400 to 1. And he whooped their little behind. Actually, if you read it in the New Living Translation, or the Living Bible, when, he, when, the, prophets, when the false prophets were doing their thing, the Living Bible, Elijah says, Where's your God? Is he on the toilet? I mean, he was... He was Giving it to them good. They were doing all this kind of stuff with no response. And Elijah then doused the altar with water three times. Three or four times. Right? And he called down fire from heaven. And the fire came, licked up all the sacrifice, and he killed all the prophets. Woo! Great victory. But then he gets a letter from Jezebel's postman. That says, I'm going to kill you, I'm, just like you treated this false prophet, I'm going to do to you. And she obviously had a reputation, because she did kill people. She killed uh, uh, Nabal or whatever, who wouldn't give Ahab his field. Not Nabal, but uh, whatever his name was. And then he runs in the wrong direction. And he goes against God's will. Even God asked him, what are you doing here? Right? Has God ever said that to anybody? You know you've been off course. If God says, what are you doing here? I didn't tell you to be here. I didn't call you to be here. Why are you here? He was there because he made a bad choice. 
So, when we have a victorious time in God, don't think that the enemy is just going to say, oh, that's just so wonderful. Amen? He's going to try to attack to, to get your focus off of God. He's going to try to get you to gossip about the negative circumstance. And did you know that if you, if you gossip, you can't be in faith and gossip at the same time? They can't contain the same container. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right? Say the same spirit of faith. Okay? Verse 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus. How many know that Jesus has been raised up? You know that you know that you know. Well, that's information that faith uses. Shall raise us up also by Jesus. What are we raised up? We're raised up by the one who was raised up. The word of God. Say, I'm raised by the word. Give yourself a raise. How do you give yourself a raise? Speak what the Bible says about increase over you. Guess what? You don't have to perform the word. All you have to do is believe it and speak it. And God will do the performing of it. Amen? This is good stuff today. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through thanksgiving of many, redound in the glory of God. Hallelujah. For, verse 16, for which cause we faint not. Say, I don't faint. That means I don't quit. I don't give up. I don't turn around. I don't run. I don't take my eyes off Jesus. Will you be tempted to quit? Yes, you will. When you're believing God for something, things will come up to try to oppose that. Do you realize the enemy steals the word once it's sown? He tries to take the word immediately when it's sown. The parable of the sower. The, 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 word, the sower sows the word and Satan comes immediately to steal it. Why? He doesn't want that word to get in you. Because he knows if it gets in you, he's in trouble. Oh, he don't mind it being in your head, but he doesn't want it to get in your heart. You don't steal something that's not valuable. Amen? Though our outward man perish... Yet the inward man, oh, thank God, you may have some wrinkles on the outside. You might have some gray on the outside, but on the inside, you've got something that you've got renewable energy being renewed every day on the inside. Glory to God. The outward man perishes, but the inward man. That's what we got to live by. We got to live inside out. I mean, 
you want to paint the barn, paint the barn. Nothing wrong with that. You want to paint the house, paint the house. Do some remodeling, fix it up. Amen? Nothing wrong with that. But that's not where your strength comes from. That's not where your life comes from. Your life comes from inside. Not outside. But you can make the outside look as good as you want it to look. Amen? Nothing wrong with that. You just got to understand that that's not where your source of life is. The inward man. God's got the best renewable energy ever. And guess what? You're already set up for it. You don't have to get solar panels or anything. You're already set up for God's renewable energy. It's called the Holy Ghost and fire. (laughs) This is still the introduction. Now, look at this, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Why do people want to make the troubles of life into a heavy affliction? It's a light affliction. Yes, you will experience trouble in the world. Why? Because the world is troubled. There's death in the world. It wasn't originally there, but man brought it in. For through one man, death came into this earth. Everybody say through one man. See, here's the thing. You can't disconnect from faith in everyday conversations. You can't think, you can't complain. You can't have a conversation where you're complaining about this, complaining about that, and then you want to believe God for something in faith. Why? The speech of complaining has negated, you have unplugged from the power source. See? All, all, all complaining does, it plugs you, it, uh, it unplugs your cord. Murmuring, grumbling unplugs your cord. Being carnal unplugs your cord from the power source. Right? Verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18. While we look not on the things which are seen. Sometimes we've got to take our eyes off what we see. That means our circumstances. What's surrounding us right now? This natural world. And notice what it says. But the things which are not seen, we got to look at what's not seen. We got to look to the invisible. We got to look beyond what we see. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen? Which, which is going to produce you greater results? Looking in the natural or the temporal or looking in the eternal? Right? That has greater power. Okay. That was just the introduction. Alright? So what do we know about faith? It requires you to lay hold on something and to speak something. 
It requires you to say something and believe something. And what you say has to agree with what you believe. Amen? Go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. We're going to see this played out in these stories here. Were these just things that were made for scholars? What is the Gospels? It's talking about the life of Jesus, isn't it? All right. Mark chapter 8. And let's go down to verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And he came to Bethsaida. And they brought to him, they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Okay? So he came to a place, right? And who brought who? It didn't say who the people were, but they brought a blind man. Who did they bring the blind man to? Jesus. Okay? And they besought him to touch him. Who is him? Him is Jesus. Alright? Does Jesus cure blind people? Absolutely. So, they have a problem. Their friend is blind. So what do they do? They bring him to the solution. Everybody say, bring your problems to the Word. Don't take your problems to your neighbor. Bring them to the Word. Alright, amen. Okay? So they brought him to the Word. And, and they... Asked him to touch him. So guess what? They did something and they said something. Are you seeing some the pattern here? Say they did something and they said something. That's how faith works. Faith works by you doing something and saying something. And what you do and what you say have to agree with God. Amen? Okay? And he took him, he took the blind man by the hand. What's he doing? He's touching him. He is doing what they're asking him to do. Oh my goodness. Okay? And he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. If you see men as trees, you probably don't have clear vision. Right? Hey, you got some leaves there. You know? So what did Jesus do? After that, he put his hands, when? Everybody say again. Jesus touched someone twice. Actually, three times. He took him by the hand, he laid his hands on him, and he touched him again three times. Let me say three times. Okay? And, and made him look up, and he, his, he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he went 
he sent him away to his house saying, don't go to the town or don't tell anyone in the town. Now, Bethsaida was a city that Jesus said doesn't repent. Okay? Matthew 11.20, he began to denounce the people in the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent, change the hearts. Woe unto you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. And by the way, Bethsaida was where Philip was from, and Andrew and Peter. Okay? But he, he brings him out of his circumstance. Okay? And so Jesus, the Word, the power source that our faith needs to plug into, they took hold of him. Alright? So the people did something, the people said something. And Jesus, the Word, responded to their faith. How do we know? Because Jesus didn't turn them away. Why? He, he accepts faith. Say, Jesus accepts faith. Jesus is pleased by faith. He celebrates faith. When we're not in faith, He doesn't say anything. But when we get in faith, He responds. Amen? So, now the Aramaic, Aramaic Bible says Jesus placed his hands over his eyes and brought lights. I thought that was pretty cool. Why, wow, he is the light of the world. If you have a bulb out, Jesus can fix it by touching it. Amen? And so, he took the man by the hand. And he, he made spit, and he also touched his eyes. Then he asked him, you know, you can inspect God's work. God doesn't mind you expect. Can you see? Oh, I see men like trees. Well, let's pray again. Amen? But who asked him to touch him? The people who brought him. See, they brought him to Jesus. They brought him to the Word. They, the, man, the man couldn't find Jesus. He was blind. So he needed help. And his friends plugged him in to the power source. And he was plugged in. Jesus took him by the hand, right? And he led him outside the town. Because there was something going on in that town. Even though some people had gotten out of that town, he said, don't go back to the town. Listen, don't go back to your mess. Don't go back to your junk. When you find the Word and the Word finds you, you've got a new beginning. Say, there's no turning back. Hallelujah. I'm on the move. I'm not going to start singing to you, but I feel the song. I'm on the move. Ain't no turning back. So can you see the principle of faith working? They did something. They said something. It's it's God's will that he wants to heal blind people. Now, he might have seen doctors. But obviously they probably couldn't do anything for him. The Bible doesn't tell us that. 
But the Bible wanted us to know that they did something and they said something in regarding to their problem and the word changed the problem. Say the word changes things. Say the word transforms things. Alright? Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. <coughs> if I get to share all these examples, you're going to see this all throughout these examples. Okay? The principles that I laid out for you. Matthew chapter 8, starting with verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Okay? What did the leper do? Come on. He came to Jesus, and he worshipped Jesus. And, guess what? He said something to Jesus. So he came, he worshipped, and he said. Okay? He's using the two tools whereby faith works. Okay? And the leper... See... Faith is what you say about the word and what you do with the word. Notice, faith is about what you say about the word. And guess what? <laughs> but, listen, the Bible says in Ephesians, New Testament, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. <laughs> Amen? What happens if you let corrupt communication, you, you will corrupt your faith? If you're out having ice cream with friends and they want to gossip about people who aren't there, you don't have to participate. Because if you do, it'll corrupt your faith. See, people don't understand that our everyday actions will either enhance or decrease our capacity to believe God. Faith is a lifestyle. Okay? It's how you live every day. It involves your conversations that you're having over coffee. It's, it, it involves conversations when your friends are at your house. It involves how you treat people. In all that aren't in church. Oh, see, we, we come to VCF and we're in a faith bubble, Right? This is a faith bubble here. I come in and, and I'm always positive and, and I'm always thinking good things. But I go out there and I leave the bubble and something happens. I don't know what happens. But people don't think that those everyday conversations aren't going to affect. It does. It affects your faith negatively. Do you realize that the book of Malachi records that when people sit in their homes and talk about Jesus, it's recorded in heaven. Do you think Jesus had dinner at the Pharisee's house? Do you think he talked Pharisee language? No! 
He always, listen, he would have dinner at the Pharisee's house and people would always come and interrupt him and repent and do all these things. He changed the atmosphere. He let the atmosphere get in him. You know, it's good for a boat to be on water, but it's not good for the water to be in the boat. (laughs) Right? Too much water in the boat will sink your boat. Hallelujah. So, this, the leper said two things. He said, if you're willing, I know you can. Now, the leper knew that Jesus was able. He had no doubt in his ability, but he wasn't sure if he would do it for him. Now, some people might have been in a place that this leper was in. Okay? But I want you to know that when you have concerns, the Word will answer your concerns. Okay? I know you can, Lord, but will you? Will you do it for me? Alright? I love how Jesus answers the question. Verse 3. Jesus put forth His hand. And touched him saying, what? I will be thou clean. The word said, yes, I will. The word says, I will do it for you. Not only did he say it, but he touched him. He touched leprosy. He was probably the only person in that leper's life that touched him in a very long time. Leper! Ah! That's how people treated them. No one wanted to touch a leper. But the word did. Why? Who touched who first? The leper touched the word first. He came to him. He worshipped him. And he said something to him. All those things represent faith. So now the word is responding to his faith. I will be clean. Alright? Now, and Jesus said unto him, See you tell no man, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. He still had to go through a process. Amen? But he got his question answered. Jesus clearly said, I will. Alright? It's okay. To let people prove God's word to be true. God's not, he's not bothered by that. Why? He does a complete work. He does good work. Say, Jesus does good work. His work will stand any test. His work will prove to be true. But you see this principle of faith working? Alright, let's go to verse 5. Is this helping you today? You know, this this message, it's not too often that God does this. But Pastor Fiona and I, we were praying, and all of a sudden, God went, poof! I just had an instant download. And all these scriptures were coming to me. I mean, I can even preach this without notes. (laughs) But God just, boom! 
download. I'm like, whoa. I mean, it felt good. God is good. I love it how he works with people. You know, the, the Lord is very patient with all of us. And, I mean, he had disciples that were crazy. You know, two of his disciples were called sons of thunder. Why do you think they were? Because they stirred up trouble. They were the ones that wanted to call fire down people. And the Lord says, you don't even know what spirit you're of. You know? And I can, I can literally see Jesus when Peter steps up and speaks. Oh, no. Not again. Here he goes again. But you know what? Wasn't he patient with the disciples? He worked with them. He let them make mistakes. He corrected them, but he, he, he worked with them. Amen. He'll do the same thing for you. Just because you step out and, 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 and do something and, and you miss God, so what? Don't beat yourself over the head about it. Be willing to learn. God will work with you. Amen? I mean, my goodness, he's still working with me. If he works with me, he'll work with you. All right? Matthew 8, 5. So now he's in a different place. Jesus entered Capernaum. And there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Okay? So what did the centurion do? Came to him and was talking to him. And saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Luke, the physician, in Luke 7 records, he was near death. Everybody say near death. Does near death look like a bad circumstance? But how many know you don't look at the circumstance? You've got to look to the Word. You've got to look to the Lord. So what's the centurion doing? He leaves the circumstance and he puts his eyes on Jesus. He comes to him and he says to him. Okay? He, 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 he said, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented, and Jesus said, I will come and heal him. He didn't even ask him to. But the centurion was displaying such faith that Jesus responded quickly. You know, the stronger your faith, the more quicker response from the word. I will come and heal him. Jesus didn't ask anything else. He didn't say, he, he said, I will come and heal him. Would that boost your faith? He, did, did the centurion have a promise from the Word? Absolutely. He had a promise from the author of the Word. Right? I will come and heal him. Isn't that why the centurion came? For his servant to be healed? He didn't come for himself. He came for someone else. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant, what? Notice, shall be healed. Well, I hope he's going to be healed. If you speak the word, I hope it works. It's not what he said. 
He said with confidence. He said with assurance. He said with certainty. He knew that if Je- whatever Jesus said was going to happen. And he goes into the reason why. Because he understood authority. He understood the authority of Jesus as the Son of God. He understood the authority that he operated. Why? Because the centurion operated under authority too. He exercised authority and he, and he was under authority. Okay? So, the action, he came to Jesus. He said, you know, and uh, so the, the, the centurion knew exactly what God's will was because God's will said it. Did you know that God's will and God's word are synonymous? They're basically the same thing. They can be used interchangeably. Okay? Now, when he said, I am not worthy that you should come under my house, it's really an expression of great humility. Okay? He, he recognized the dignity and the power of Jesus. He, he, he recognized his worth and his value. Alright? And he, he just said that, you know, your word is sufficient to come. He said, I'm just not in a position now for you to come in my house. Because he didn't feel like he was at that point, all right? But he's like, I mean, he, he knew the value of Jesus. And if Jesus was to come into his house, he knew what that would do to his house, right? But he, he's a believer in the Word, okay? How many know that you, you don't always have to have Jesus to come to you? He can speak to you. I sent my Word to them and what? Healed them. Did you know that you could send the word to someone and it can still have the effect? God's word is not limited to a location. He's omnipresent. We send cards. Why not send the word? We send gifts. Why not send the word? Amen? If someone asks for you for prayer, send them the word right then. Alright? Now, let me just say something about authority. Authority operates on orders given, either written or oral. Okay? Because a soldier can have a set of written orders that would assign them to a particular base or a particular location, right? And they have to follow those orders, right? Authority, this particular word is the word exusa. And it means power, weight, moral authority, or influence, all right? And anyone who deals with authority, you have got to operate according to the authority, Right? You can't deviate from what's written or what's spoken. Am I right? What happens if you do? You get in trouble. Or it exposes you for liability, right? So, Jesus, 
He said in Matthew 28, he says, I have all authority in heaven and earth. And in Revelation 1.6, it says that he has majesty, dominion forever and ever. Right? Glory and power, majesty and dominion forever and ever. So the centurion recognized this about Jesus. Do you know that this centurion, according to Luke, helped build the synagogue? He was very much involved in promoting God's work for God's people. So he must have heard some things about Jesus to get him to that point. But he said, only speak the word and my servant shall be healed. Everybody say shall. That means it can't go any other way. Go down to verse 10. When Jesus heard it, what was the it? His declaration of faith. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Can you imagine making Jesus marvel? He marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Everybody say great faith. The highest degree of faith is speaking the word requiring no other evidence whatsoever. That's all that the centurion said. Only speak the word and my servant shall. And Jesus marveled. He'd never heard anybody put that much trust in his word. Oh, many people responded to his word. They responded positively. They received it. They accepted it. But this is a whole nother added value on the word of God. So many times we want to feel something. And if we don't feel something, we don't think it's working. How can it just work if I just speak the word? Speak the word. Pastor Doug said, make a confession. Speak the word. Well, you've already just pointed out to me that you don't value the word. So why speak it? Because it's not going to do anything for you anyway. It's not just an exercise. It's a lifeline. There's a difference. How, how you value the word was, will be how you treat it. And how you treat it will depend on how it works for you. You know, there, there were those who, the Bible said specifically, they received the word gladly. They were like privileged. They were, they were like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. I receive it. But then there were a lot of people that didn't receive it. This is a Roman soldier. He's, he's exercising more faith than the Pharisees. I mean, the Pharisees, they were a mess. Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes. See, great faith needs no other evidence than what the Word of God said. You've got to have total trust, reliance, and confidence in God's word that it will perform what it says. Even God said, I, where I sent my word, it will, whatever I sent my word to do, it will do. After all, who is the word? 
did Jesus come getting his own group together? Say, I'm here, boys. We're going to put the band back together. Right? No. Jesus did not do his own will. He was sent to the world to save the world. And he did that. And he did it by faith. He trusted his father. Just like he wants us to trust his father. Everything that, how Jesus lived is how he wants you and I to live. He wants us to do his will, not our own will. He wants us to surrender to him, not to our flesh. He wants us to put our flesh under. Jesus lived a perfect life to show us how to live. Speaking God's word and having absolute confidence and trust in it is the highest level of faith. Everybody say the highest level. How do we know it's the highest level? What else made Jesus marvel? Hmm? This made Jesus marvel. Amen? Hallelujah. So, oh, there's so many things left to say. But today we got to get plugged into the power source. Amen? And I could give you more and more lessons about people who came and spoke. Because there's a whole lot more. But we'd have to have a seminar. And that'd be several days. But see, we, today we've learned some lessons about the operation of faith. This is the same faith that we're supposed to operate in. This is how we're supposed to do it. When we have a problem, we're supposed to go to Jesus. And let's work it out with Jesus. And the Holy, he'll use the Holy Spirit. He'll give you divine solutions. He'll give you ways. Things you didn't even think of. Faith believes. Faith speaks. Faith acts. Say that. Say, faith believes. Faith speaks. And faith acts. Faith receives. Faith overcomes. Faith is not based on circumstances. How much time did the centurion spend about describing the circumstance? Other than just stating what it was, that was the amount of time that he spent on the circumstance. The rest of the time, he spent about authority. He spent about the word. He spent about telling Jesus what to do. He only gave, he only stated what the problem was, but he didn't go into great detail about it. But yet, what, what do we do? We go into great detail about the circumstance. We magnify the circumstance and minimize God. Oh, the circumstance. This happened, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, blah, 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 blah. We magnify the circumstance. The centurion magnified the word. We need to magnify the word. Faith is about how we embrace and fellowship with God's Word. 
If God's word's in your heart, how are we fellowshipping with it on the inside? Amen? Faith doesn't quit. It doesn't give up or it doesn't run away. Aren't you glad that we can live by the faith of the Son of God? Not only does He tell us to live by faith, but He gives us the faith to live. The faith that we live every day. The faith that we can face challenges and overcome. He gave it to us. He tells us to live by faith and said, here, here's the faith to do it. Glory to God. Are you excited about that this morning? Don't let the enemy unplug you from the power source. You've got to stay plugged in to the power source, which is the Word of God. Because if you're unplugged, no matter how many times you pull this trigger, it's not going to work. Because it's got to be connected to the power source. The Word of God is our power source. Faith is our power cord in the Word of God. And it will produce results. Every story... From the blind man to the leper to the centurion, they plugged into the Word. All of them got results. Different scenarios, different situations, but they all got results. And that's what God wants for us. Amen? So let's get plugged in today. If you've got to make some changes in your life, now's a good time to do that. You know, a change starts with the right thinking. Right thinking comes from right believing. If you're not believing right, you're not going to think right. And if you're not thinking right, you're not going to stay right. Or you're not going to do right either. So in order to say right, you've got to first deal with the heart. You've got to flush out the bad. And you've got to put in the good. Amen? And once the good is in there, it will come out of your mouth. But your mouth can't draw on an empty well. You've got to have something in the well. You've got to have something in the cistern. Amen? Did you know, say, say this, say, I am wired for success. Every one of us right now, you are equipped, you are wired for success. But you just got to plug into the right place. Amen? God told Joshua, he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate in it. How often? Day and night that you may observe to do. You can't just read the word. You've got to read it to do it. Then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Amen. VCF people are going to have good success. We're going to see the glory of God. We're going to see the goodness of God. Why? We're plugged into the power source. Say, I'm plugged into Jesus. Oh, let's stand to our feet, everybody. And let's plug into Jesus now. Plug into Him with your praise. Plug into Him with your expression of love to Him. Plug into Him. Plug into the power. Hallelujah. Plug into the power. Doesn't matter. Don't wait 12 years to plug in. Amen. Let's plug in right now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen.
And you can't live the old way and expect new things to happen. You gotta do some things differently. That means you gotta, you gotta say no to the world and yes to Jesus. Especially if you're in a season where you need to be fed the Word of God, you gotta say no to a lot of things. You need some extra time to give to Jesus. Amen? I just want you to raise your hands. Every hand that's up, you're saying, God, I'm plugging into the power source. I'm plugging into you, Lord. You're my life. You're the source of my life. And just begin to praise him. Declare who he is. Declare what you know about him in the name of Jesus. If you need healing, declare him as your healer. If you need forgiveness, declare him as your forgiver. If you need help, declare him as your helper in the name of Jesus. If you don't know what to do, declare him as your answer. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Bless your holy name this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. How many things can you do by faith? You can do all things through Christ who operates by faith. He functions in you. You can do all things. All things are possible to them who are in faith, to them who believe. It may not look impossible. It may not feel like it's possible, but it is by faith. In the name of Jesus. (coughs) Hallelujah. We can overcome the accusations of the enemy by faith. We can move mountains by faith. We can slay giants by faith. We can take possession of things we don't have by faith. We can overcome suffering by faith. We can be healed by faith. We can be restored by faith. We can be strengthened by faith. Oh, come on. Are you done praising yet? You begin to declare who God is to you. You say it with your mouth. God wants to hear your voice. Whatever it is you need, declare Jesus to be it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you today. Your word is true. Your word is pure. Your word is the standard of living that we choose to live by. We crucify the flesh. And we live by the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus. We are bold and strong believers. Our faith produces results. We bless your holy name. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can have joy by faith. Ha, ha, ha. The devil is defeated. Ha, ha, ha. God is exalted. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. Did you ever think that the first two letters of hallelujah are ha? Ha, ha, ha. Please praise the Lord. Someone, we need to praise the Lord. Amen. I'm telling you, Satan has put some joy suckers in your life. And by faith, we're removing the joy suckers. And we're letting joy flow freely in this place. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, I'm sure that that did the body good. You're going to think about faith differently. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you of this conversation that we had today. When you start, if you start to enter a wrong path with your mouth, He's going to remind you what He said to you. Not what Pastor Doug said, but what he said. Amen? You can quote Pastor Doug all day. It's not going to do nothing for you. But when you quote the Lord, that's what will do something for you. Amen? God is for you. He's not against you. He loves you. And he'll work everything out. You just let him. Amen? So you're ready for a good week? Glory to God. If you're here on Wednesday, we're going to have Wednesday night refreshing. Um, May 16th, mark your calendar. Stephen Hoffman and Beverly Hoffman are going to be here as our guests. They're board members of ECF. They're missionaries. So prepare to enjoy Steve and Beverly Hoffman on the 16th. Amen. God bless you. Have a great and wonderful day.